Welcome to the Prophecy Club, and today is Christmas Eve, and I still have to make programs, but the the family, as you may well expect, is heading over, and we are getting ready for all of the Christmas festivities. So let me just say, Merry, Merry, Merry Christmas to you and your entire family, and may you have a very, very prosperous and healthy and happy 2020. So I don't have a whole lot of time to make a broadcast today, so... Back in February, I was on the Omega Man radio program, and I said some things that I had planned to bring to Prophecy Club, and today is the day that I'm going to bring them to you. And these are some of the revelations that I got in the process of memorizing the book of Revelation and then writing the book, The Secret Door to Understand Bible Prophecy, which, of course, you can get at prophecyclub.com. So now I'm going to play excerpts from that radio program with Omega Man Radio. And it's a real privilege and honor to bring back to the show my friend, Pastor Stan Johnson of the Prophecy Club. Brother Stan, welcome back. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Stan, let me just say this um, to the folks out there. I am blessed to, to be able to know Stan and be able to invite him back to the show tonight. You know, Stan... I have been a fan of the Prophecy Club for many years. I'm going to tell you, folks, much of what I've learned about end-time prophecy and getting updates has come from the, the Prophecy Club. Stan is a pioneer in producing awesome documentaries and videos. And, of course, he, uh, the Prophecy Club is one on tour in many cities. Maybe some of you have been out there and, and seen the broadcast live. But I just want to say thank you, Stan, because I can remember – Watching the Prophecy Club, when it came to Atlanta, Georgia, I picked it up on a cable station there, began to read your magazine, began to order the VHSs that would now become DVDs. Brother, you've been doing this for a long time, and some of the greatest interviews that have ever been done, you have done right there in the Prophecy Club. So I just want to thank you. You've done a fantastic job for the body of Christ, and you're still going strong for Jesus. Thank you for what you've done. Well, and to him be all the glory. Obviously, you and I are working for the same person to build the same kingdom so that we can hear the same response. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Amen. Amen. You know, Stan, many of the friends I have today I owe to you because you would bring them on the Prophecy Club. Friends like Michael Boldea, uh, and I learned about his grandfather, Dimitri Dudeman, through your ministry. You had a chance to meet the man of God and uh, many others. I'll tell you, I'm just uh, excited to have you back tonight. Okay, I'm still making programs in advance here for the holidays, so now we're going to continue listening to my interview on Omega Man Radio, and I'm talking about how I received these revelations from the Lord. But these are the first fruits of the harvest. They are the first ones to receive the glorified body. No one since Jesus came out of the grave has received it. They are the first fruits of the harvest. And there's, there's a whole lot more about that. I devoted a whole chapter in the book to explaining that because that's really, 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 really important. Those 144,000 described in Revelation 7, that's real, real important stuff. So anyway, the book, or the, the word first fruits in Revelation 14, 4 links back to, to Leviticus 23, 12. And that is the secret door, meaning that when you understand that that word first fruits in Revelation 14.4 links back to Leviticus 23.12, when you understand that and that the, the feasts were not meant to make people annoyed, have to keep all of those feasts, 
the purpose of them was not to make the Jews appear to be bitter, bigger and better and stronger and more holy than us Gentiles. The point of the feasts is to show the order of the last seven months before Jesus returns. That's the point. They are like hopscotch. In other words, they are a pattern that all of the prophecies set into. When you understand first, fruit, first fruits, that word first fruits, all of a sudden, the prophecies in Revelation that were saying, oh my goodness, where does that fit? How does this fit? I mean, just like I can't tell you how many people, almost everybody that reads Revelation gets the great white throne wrong. Because if you read it in chronological order as it is written, and if you read it as it is written, it makes it sound like the great white throne as it is at the end of the thousand year millennium. Wrong. <laughs> wrong. It's wrong. But the feasts, once you understand first fruits, will show you the correct order of how those things work, which we'll get to tonight, too. So that was the first vision. The second vision was I was at church. This was uh, next Friday night. I was going to be making the third DVD called 17 Secrets and the Feasts and the Trumpets. And I was walking, and I was talking to some of the other congregation members. I said, hey, now remember, this Friday night, 7 o'clock, I'm going to be talking, making that DVD. And well, in an instant, I saw this vision. I saw that I was to make this into a book. And that I was shown that people cannot understand this by simply audio or video. Meaning, I will never be able to explain everything of these understandings, either by audio or by video. In this case, there are a few things that the mind can only conceive and only understand when they see it in writing. This is one of them, and that I am to write a book, and that it will be a very big seller. So that's what I did. I put together this thing in a book. Now, I'm not a big book reader, and I've never written a book before, but God help me. And that's all I'd say about that. All right, now let's talk specifically about some of the things, some of the other revelations. I saw that the 144,000, here it is, are Israeli boys. Okay, well, that part of that's that's no big deal because we know Revelation 7 and, you know, the tribe of Reuben were sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Gad were sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Issachar were sealed 12,000. All those 12 tribes of 12,000 each. We, yeah, no big deal. We understand those are Israelis. We understand that they're boys because uh, the, the, the sacrifice in Leviticus 23, 12 specifically says, we'll hear it. Well, I will come back to that in the second hour. But there, I'll just say this. There, the revelation was that they're Israeli boys and they died in their first year of life and they never sinned and they never learned to talk. And that's the reason Revelation 14, 4 says, I looked and lo, a lamb stood upon the Mount Sion. And with him, 144,000, having his father's name in the forehead, skipped two verses and goes down. These are they were not defiled with women for they are virgins. These are they that follow with the lamb whithersoever he goeth. For these were redeemed from among men, being the first fruits unto God and to the lamb. Here's the point. For in their mouth is found no guile, for they are without fault before the throne of God. Okay. How do you find anybody, any place that has no guile in their mouth? How? Well, the answer is because they died in their first year, meaning they never learned to talk. And that's the reason they're without fault before the throne of God. Now, 
why would they be the 144,000 though? Well, that's a very good question. See, in the chart that I'll explain in the second hour, <clears throat> part of it I'm going to show you is that Leviticus 23 tells what the priest was supposed to do on that particular feast, and the feast we're talking about is first fruits. On first fruits, the priest, the high priest, is to take a sheaf of barley flour. What's a sheaf? I had to look it up. I'm not an expert in all these feasts. That's another thing, too. I don't get into all of this Rosh Hashanah stuff, all of those Jewish words. I don't care about none of that. I just use the American words Passover, Unleavened Bread, First Fruits, Pentecost, Trumpets, Atonement, and Tabernacles. Okay, we talk English, not Jewish stuff, okay? Because I think that's what uh, it, it's difficult to learn. It makes Gentiles cross their eyes. We don't have to learn all that stuff. We don't have to learn that. The point, the point, the point of the feasts are to show us the order of the prophecies in Revelation. That's the point of the feasts. That's the whole point of it. Everybody who teaches the feasts will tell you that they are a mikra, that they are a rehearsal, that they are a pattern or a, a, a a pattern of things to be done in the future. Yeah, that's right. Well, well, that's what he showed me, though. He showed me the point of the feast. All right, anyway, so back to what we're talking about. So on the the feast of first fruits, the high priest was to take a sheaf, which is a handful, a handful of barley flour, and he is only allowed to add oil. So you got this barley flour, you mix oil, and since it's only a handful that makes eh, kind of a large cookie-looking-sized affair that they cooked, and then the high priest was to eat it. That was the sacrifice, meaning that for this particular feast or this particular uh, resurrection, only a small people, uh, only a small number of people from the Jews get to go to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Now, I'm kind of explaining the chart, and then I'll, I'll reserve that. We'll, we'll pick that up in the second hour. So one of the revelations was that 144,000 are Israeli boys who died in the first year who never sinned or learned to talk. Also, next revelation was 144,000 will be the final first fruits of the barley harvest on the 17th day of the first month. And that the barley harvest of the 144,000 is sealed before the locusts arrive. You've got to have the chart. We've got to kind of talk through that to help you to understand that. And that they're here. Here's another big one. <coughs> let, here, let, let me tell you, explain this one. So I was I was in the process of writing the, the book, and I'd been doing a lot of studying, especially about the feast. And I was just kind of what I'd call bobbled out. And I gave the sermon that Sunday morning. My wife had to go over to our daughter's house for she was having a baby, had a shower and everything. And so I came home, and being bobbled out, I thought, you know, I, uh, I just want to clear my head a little bit. So just to tell you exactly what happened, I picked up a Jack Reacher novel. So I'm reading my Jack Reacher novel, you know, <laughs> to just get get away from the Bible a little bit, and all of a sudden the Lord spoke to me. And it wasn't an audible voice, but let me just tell you, if God wants to talk to you, he'll talk to you. And it doesn't have to be any audible voice. It doesn't have to dream, be a dream or an angel visit or anything else. So the Lord spoke to me. He said, what's the name on the forehead of the 144,000? So I stopped reading, and I answered out loud. And I quoted the verse, I looked, and lo, a lamb stood upon the Mount Sion, and with him 144,000, having his father's name in the forehead. 
what's the name on the forehead of 144,000? Okay, I thought a minute, and I thought, I mean, first of all, I mean, I'm just being honest with you. I didn't think it was that important. That's that's what I said. I said, well, I didn't think it was that important. But if God is asking me a question, obviously it's important. So I said, okay, it's got to be Yeshua, you know, yod Hey vav Hey, or something like that. I mean, it's got to be God or Jesus, right? So I said, okay, all right, I'm going to say, I'm going to say it's yod Hey vav Hey because the 144,000 are Jews that lived a long time ago. They probably didn't even know Jesus. So it'd have to be yod Hey vav Hey or Yahweh. So I went back to reading. He spoke to me again. Same question. He said, what's the name on the forehead of the 144,000? Now I'm thinking kind of like, remember when Jesus said, Peter, lovest thou me? Peter casually said, yea, Lord. And then Jesus asked him a second time, Peter, lovest thou me? Now Peter's thinking, am I in trouble? I mean, yes, yes, Lord. Yes, I, I love you. Then he said the third time, Peter. Lovest thou me? And now Peter is about to shake in his boots. He's about to fall on his knees. Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. In other words, when God asks you the second time, that's real serious. That, that means whatever he's wanting to know here is real serious, and you're either in trouble, you're not paying attention, or you're getting it wrong, boy. You better sit up and pay attention. So I closed my book, and I, I literally I sat up and I said, I mean, I thought, okay, I, I quoted the verse. I can remember specifically like I was there again. I quoted the verse again out loud, and I said, I looked, and lo, a lamb stood up on the Mount Zion, and with him 144,000, having his father's name in their forehead. <sighs> name in the forehead, name in the forehead. So I thought about it, and I thought about it, and I thought about it, and I said, okay, Lord, it's got, it's got to be yod hey vav hey. I'm, I'm sorry, that's the only thing I can come up with, yod hey vav hey. That, you know, kind of like that millionaire show, is that your final answer? <clears throat> that's what I said. You know, I mean, that's my final answer. I mean, it's all I know. And went back to reading. Wrong. <laughs> Wrong. <laughs> so I went, went, back, went back to reading my novel. And then the Lord spoke. And he, but, but the way he spoke it was like <clears throat> in an instant I knew. What it was is that he says, no, the name on the forehead is the earthly father's name. And then in an instant he made me to know. You remember when <clears throat> Bathsheba and and uh, and David had their little affair, and from that affair there was a baby, and that baby died at seven days old. Well, I was made to know that probably one of those children will be that child that died in its first year, and it's going to be one hundred forty-four thousand. The hundred forty-four thousand when they appear. Now, now that's another thing. Well. See, I'm, I'm kind of getting into the chart here a little bit, but I'll, I'll go ahead and say this. I cannot tell you how many times I have taught and I have said, I've said on the radio, you know, it's so, so wonderful when you say things on the radio and <laughs> you discover lately, oh, man, I was really wrong. Oh, no. <laughs> well, I was wrong. <clears throat> I used to say, well, Jesus is going to only return one more time. And he was going to return to the Mount of Olives, and he was going to set his foot down on the Mount of Olives, and they're going to split them two to the east, west, north, and south. Water's going to flow out, period. That's what's going to happen. Wrong. <laughs> Wrong. Leviticus, or excuse me, uh, Revelation 14.1. This is the next time Jesus returns. Here's the truth of the matter. Again, if you get my book, I'll explain it. 
But Jesus returns two more times. What? Okay, let's go to Acts one eleven. Remember when Jesus ascended up in a cloud, and the angel was standing beside them and said, You men of Galilee, why stand you gazing up into heaven? Now listen to the words. This same Jesus shall return in like manner as you have seen him go. Okay, all right, hang on, hang on. What's that mean? Well, Jesus left on a cloud. He left wearing normal clothing. He left in a lamb body because he just let um, Thomas feel his nail scars and the sword stab in his side. He just had fish with the disciples. So he is in a normal body like we're in today, whatever that resurrected body was. Now, I mean, it was not exactly the same, obviously, because he came out of the grave. But whatever it was, he returns the very next time on a cloud the same way he returns as the Lamb of God. See, right now, Jesus is not King of Kings and Lord of Lords. That's another thing. (laughs) Perhaps we'll get to that revelation tonight, too. But anyway, when he returns, the very next time he returns on Mount Zion, just like Revelation 14, 1 says, I looked and lo, a lamb, that's Jesus, stood upon the Mount Zion. That's a a hill, that's a mountain in Israel. It's about a 30-minute walk from the Mount of Olives. Now, I've been on Mount Zion, walked all over Mount Zion. It's not a very big hill. I mean, getting 144,000 people on that Mount Zion is possible, but they aren't going to have... (laughs) they're not have very much room to walk around. I mean, it's not a very big mountain. It's just a little bit of hill. Okay, so the next time Jesus returns, he returns to Mount Zion. And he returns with 144,000 that are one-year-old Jewish boys that have now been resurrected into their glorified body. They are now the first fruits of the harvest. Now, we don't know for certain, but we assume that they're resurrected into a mature body. Now, they're wearing white robes. Now, when they're there, what does that mean? Well, that is the cry. At midnight, there was a cry. Behold, the bridegroom cometh. Here's the, here's the key words. Listen to the words. Go ye out to meet him. What? What do you mean, go ye out to meet him? Well, because he's in a lamb body, he's not king of kings. He's not returning in his, on his white horse. He's not returning to the Mount of Olives. He is still a lamb, still wearing the same clothes he left in, probably. While the Bible doesn't say that exactly, probably. And it's saying, go yet to meet him. Meaning, if you're living in Israel, if you're living in Jerusalem, and this day arrives and you're still alive, which, by the way, at that time, not very many people will be, but if you are, that's saying, now I'm not saying this, this is what the Bible says, I'm just quoting the Bible here, <clears throat> you'll be able to go upon Mount Zion and meet Jesus. Now, you know, I don't know, <laughs> you know maybe you couldn't get your face off the ground, but, uh, you know, for, for being in the presence of holiness, but I'm saying it's, that's what the Bible says, I didn't write the stuff, I'm just quoting it to you. Then, about 50 days later, is Pentecost. Now, let me come, because I, we'll get into that in the second hour here. On to the next of the, um, is this interesting? Brother, this is fascinating. I'm loving this. Sure it is. Keep going. Okay. Okay, so the earthly father's name is on their forehead. The next revelation was the barley, and only those who are ready of the Christian wheat harvest are resurrected to the marriage supper of the Lamb on Pentecost. So let's talk about that a second. So on first fruits, the, uh, 
144,000, and Jesus, the 144,000 are resurrected. Jesus comes down on a cloud, and they walk around on the Mount of Olives for about 50 days. Now, it says, these are they which follow the Lamb whithersoever he goeth. <clears throat> so I assume, excuse me, <clears throat> that he's not going to be just walking around on Mount of Olives. He's probably walking all over Jerusalem. Well, what's going on in Jerusalem at that time? This is about seven months before he returns as king of kings to burn up the tares. So at this time, the Antichrist and the false prophet have been sitting on the Ark. Of, well, I should say the, the, the Antichrist sits on the Ark of the Covenant, the beast, and proclaims himself God. The two witnesses have been walking up and down the streets of Jerusalem. If any man will hurt them, fire proceedeth out of their mouth and devoureth their enemies. If any man will hurt them, he must in this manner be killed. So they are causing the it not to rain, heaping all sorts of curses upon all of the people of the earth. Until uh, finally, and we aren't certain <clears throat> if they're, <clears throat> excuse me, we aren't certain if the two witnesses die and resurrected on about somewhere in here. And I, I searched diligently, prayed about it, couldn't get an answer there. But apparently they're still alive at this point. So about 50 days worth, Jesus walks around upon Mount Zion, probably all over Jerusalem. Probably what he's doing is making the beast very angry because the beast knows who he is and can't do anything about it and can't stop him. Then upon Pentecost, this is 50 days exactly, 50 days after the first fruits. On Pentecost, this is when the those that are ready, those that are washed in the blood of the Lamb, then go to the marriage supper of the Lamb. So let's talk about that. Let's go back to Leviticus 23. What are the requirements for the feasts upon this day? <clears throat> on this day, <clears throat> excuse me, on this day, the high priest is commanded to take two tenth deals of fine wheat flour. Now, first fruits was the barley flour. We know that because that's the first thing that gets ripe every year is the barley harvest. But on Pentecost, it's the wheat harvest. Well, what is wheat a symbol of? Well, that would be the Christians, because the Christians are always referred to as the wheat, and then the tares are the ones that are around the wheat that don't make it in. So the anyway, the, the high priest is commanded to take two-tenth deals of fine wheat flour. Okay, well, I had to look that up, too. What's a tenth deal? It's about six cups of flour. Now, if you, you this is two of them. So it's about like a two-liter bottle filled with wheat flour. So try to imagine for just a minute, let's take two two-liter bottles of wheat flour. Only the priest here is commanded to not just add oil, but is also commanded to add leaven. Well, what's leaven a picture of? Well, that would be sin. Okay, so he mixes these up. Now try to imagine that much flour mixed with oil and with leaven. And once it rises and you cook that, you got two colossal-sized chunks of bread. I mean, they're about the size of a medium to maybe even a large watermelon. I mean, they're two big ones. And then, of course, they cook it, and then he waves that before the Lord. Well, what's that a picture of? In that it's two, it's referring to the Jews and the Gentiles, or the Israelites and the non-Israelites. And the reason they have leaven but they still get to go to the marriage supper of the Lamb, is described in Revelation 2. See, right after the 144,000, says, And I, I, I looked, and, and, and behold, there was a multitude in heaven, which no man could number, 
out of every kindred tongue, people, and nation, stood before the throne, before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palms in their hands. These, and they cried with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our God, who sitteth upon the throne, and to the Lamb. Now, we'll skip down some verses. And then remember the angel turns to John and says, What are these arrayed in white robes, and whence came they? And he said unto him, Sir, thou knowest. Now, you know, like, you're not going to get me lying about this. But, Sir, thou knowest. And he said, These are they. This is talking about the Jews and the Gentiles. These are the people that are about to go to the marriage supper of the Lamb. These are they that are getting in because they're washed in the blood. He said, Sir, thou knowest. These are they which are came out of great tribulation and washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore are they before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. Those are the Christians who are, quote, ready. Not every Christian gets to go to the marriage supper. Blessed are those that are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. So the first fruits, the 144,000, walk around for 50 days. And exactly 50 days later on Pentecost is the resurrection of the dead in Christ. Remember the scripture says, the dead in Christ shall rise first. That's true. They go up, and the first fruits, the barley harvest, the 144,000 Jewish boys, and those that are ready of the Jews and the Gentiles, then go to the marriage supper of the Lamb. At the marriage supper of the Lamb, it is not about us. It's not about the bride. It is about Jesus. Because at that, that's when, I think it's Daniel chapter seven thirteen says, and they brought him near before the Ancient of Days. In 2017, I memorized the book of Revelation just as a simple project. Surprisingly, I began to receive information on 30 revelations and two visions beyond what is found in the Bible. God showed me a secret door, which is based upon a single word found in Revelation and Leviticus, linking the feasts to the prophecies. When linked, a person enters into an understanding of Bible prophecy not previously known. Even though I've been in the world of Bible prophecy for 40 years, frankly, I did not know anything of what is in this book. One prophetic word described it this way. There is a lock that I have put over a word in the book of Revelation that I'm going to open to you. It will turn so many books written on the end time message into obsolete books. That's this book. Topics are Jesus returns on what feast? The secret of the feasts. Who are the two witnesses? What is the morning star? The judgment seat explained. The great white throne explained. The nations explained. What is the shout? And the parables explained. Seals, trumpets, and vials go in what water? Two amazing prophecy charts on the back flap, 12 inches by 9 inches. Imagine a book on prophecy that brings a fresh, new, accurate perspective. I don't want you to get one book for $20. I want you to get five books for $30 or 10 for 55 It's called The Secret Door to Understand Bible Prophecy. Available at prophecyclub.com. The Secret Door to Understand Bible Prophecy. One for 20 No, no, no. Don't do that. You want to get five for 30 or the best deal, 10 for 55 prophecyclub.com. Download our free app from the App Store. God has called this ministry to win thousands upon thousands, to build an end-time army of prophecy teachers working miracles. If you love Prophecy Club, you are a watchman. Thus, you are called to be part of this end-time army, and you should be at this crusade. I will teach through my two prophecy charts, talk on Miss the Mark, lay hands on, and anoint you with four milliliters of Revelation oil, for you to receive the same revelation spirit I received when I memorized the book of Revelation. 
Leslie will teach on her school of the prophets, lay hands on you and anoint you with her prophetic oil to receive the prophetic anointing to hear the voice of God more clearly. Registration fee $300. Do not doubt whether God has called you to be at this crusade. Be like Caleb and believe God to provide the funds and the days off to attend. If you love Prophecy Club, that is your confirmation to come. The Holy Spirit gave you that desire. Pray and God will provide the ways and the means. This is a supernatural meeting to prepare you to walk supernaturally in the supernatural days of tribulation. So use your supernatural faith to come. April 8 through 12, 2020 at the Hyatt Regency in Richardson, Texas. That's in the DFW area. Go to sevenfoldmiraclecrusades.com and register. sevenfoldmiraclecrusades.com sevenfoldmiraclecrusades.com The registration fee increases the closer we get to the crusade. In that you know the internet is going away one day, it is a good idea to actually have the disc. However, at WatchProphecyClub.com, you can have instant access to over 200 titles on a recurring monthly subscription of $20 or yearly for $200 at WatchProphecyClub.com. That's $6,000 worth of information at WatchProphecyClub.com. That's WatchProphecyClub.com. What a deal.